From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film and television universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. everybody and welcome back my name is mary larson my name is blake and i will say that this is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire film universe of mm. harry potter i love this moment in order of the phoenix when they're all flying and they're flying in front of parliament and every like <sighs> this was also the first moment this was the first film that you saw in theater of the harry potter franchise yes first one and I, I, I think it just I made I remember them... you're saying like, ooh, cool. I, I distinctly remember you commenting yeah. while they were flying away. It's just a, it's, it's a pretty remarkable moment. Uh, and it's just, you just really hadn't seen anything quite like that mm. uh, in Harry Potter. Like, and even though it was the first time that I had seen it, you just felt like this is a special moment, yeah. like the way that it was shot and the, like the music, the swelling and, and all, all all that stuff. It's awesome. And then even looking back on it now, there isn't that many moments like that in the Harry Potter franchise, in my opinion. Like there are there are some great moments, but it's, I don't know, it's just a unique You're thing. You're just not flying around on brooms throughout London that often with yes, Tonks exactly. looking back smiling at you. Because like, like there's not that whole ton of like iconography in Harry Potter. I mean, I mean, Yes, there's a ton of iconography in Harry Potter, but it's all wizard related, mm -hmm. whereas this is more like real world related. And I just thought that was a cool juxtaposition. And and, and again, at night with all the lights and yeah. everything, like, just such a cool moment. I'm here for it. Yeah, so that's that. Awesome. So, um, of course, this is now chapter three, The Advance Guard. And here is the quote. Harry could hardly believe this was real. Four weeks with nothing, not the tiniest hint of a plan to remove him from Privet Drive, and suddenly a whole bunch of wizards was standing matter-of-factly in the house, as though this were a long-standing arrangement. He glanced at the people surrounding Lupin. They were still gazing avidly at him. He felt very conscious of the fact that he had not combed his hair for four days. <laughs> oh. So I love that this kind of puts into perspective that it has been four weeks mm -hmm. since he left school. Uh, in such a short amount of time, and yet it felt like forever for him. And of course, just a few days now have passed since yeah. the Dementor attack. So Harry's having all the feels. Where have you guys been? <laughs> it's just so many different feels right now. I've been listening to the to the evening news every single day, thinking something might happen. Yeah, and now I've got a boatload of witches and wizards in my house. There are a lot of cool tells in this chapter that I really like because. This well, you know what? Let's just get into it. Let's, yeah, but before we do, it. we want to thank those of you who are members at jointhenerdclan.com. That's our Patreon community who donates as little as two dollars a month to keep this going. We are not part of a big media conglomerate. We don't have big corporate sponsors. So truly we are listener supported. We're kind of like the PBS of podcasts. So if we bring you Lumos in a time of Knox, please head on over to jointhenerdclan.com to become a member there. And for those of you who are members, thank you so incredibly much. All right, let's go. Let's do it. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. In 
this chapter for your little recap in case you have read it a little while ago and not freshly in your brain. This is the chapter where he has rescued from for Privet Drive with Lupin and a bunch of the other members of the Order. We get to meet the real Mad-Eye Moody, for example, and of course, Nymphadora Tonks. And they bring Harry to Grimwald Place. Yes. So, Mary, like I said, I, I think there's a lot of cool different tells in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, one where it was Harry felt like he was in one of his phases again, like the lethargic phase, where he's just like laying in his bed and he's just looking up. Can't we all remember, though, being 15, oh, sleeping in, just not having, having nothing any responsibilities. to do except like wake up and eat a bowl of cereal? <laughs> Those were the days. What I would give for that. <laughs> Like there was that magical time in life when you were like, I don't know. You didn't have a job yet. Yeah. Or if you had a job, it was really super duper part time. Yeah. And I I would say this magical time in life kind of lasts from like 16 because you could still drive. Like you could drive. Oh, okay. Like this magical time. You could in your Jeep. Yeah, that's true. Freddie Prince Jr. One of the greatest. (laughs) Zach Seiler, one of the greatest characters ever written in, in, in film history. Um. I like, couldn't. I could ride my bike. From like 16 to like 20. 20, 20. Yeah, I'd say 20 where you could just like, you had a job, but it wasn't like yeah, a serious job. a different job. life than me. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like it wasn't a serious job. You want clothes? Like, you got to work for it, girl. You know, it, like, but you're right <laughs> no, though, but I know Mary. what you mean. For me, that was more like 12 through 14, but yeah. I understand what you're getting at. I was too young to legally work. Um, well, the thing- Once the, I could- I was put to work, well, man. The, I mean, the thing, the thing is, is like, but yes, the there were no, yeah, there were no responsibilities, but you couldn't drive, right? So, like, there's that magical time, but like sixteen to twenty, where you could kind of do whatever you really wanted. I couldn't. You uh, could. <laughs> Fair I didn't have enough. a car. I had a bike, and I had jobs. <laughs> I had, I had jobs. bills to pay. I had jobs you when I was that age. You didn't have bills to pay, though. So sure, I did. Okay. Sure. I, I had to pay insurance. I had to pay gas. Okay. I, had, I you know, I had things to do. Yes, Malfoy. Um, <laughs> 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 living in Malfoy Manor was difficult. Yes, it was. Oh, it was occasionally very have to pay Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, this chapter picks up right where the the previous one did. Yes. Where he is now, like, put into this room. Uh, he writes three letters. I loved this. Harry copied the words, I've just been attacked by Dementors. I might be expelled from Hogwarts. <laughs> I want to know what's going on and when I'm going to get out of here. He sends this to Sirius, to Hermione and Ron, and then tells uh, tells Hedwig to nibble and bite them until, until they, they write not just a response, a lengthy one. but a lengthy one. And <laughs> what we're going to find in chapters coming up is that everyone's hands are bandaged <laughs> because Hedwig did do this. You know, oh, he wouldn't even great. let her eat her frog and Hedwig takes forever to come on back, of course. So, I mean, this is this is Harry just being like fed up with everything. Yeah, and I think there's another great tell here too uh, with, uh, oh, what the heck was it now? Now I just, I forgot. Sorry. Now, you just totally made me forget it. You know, Mary, you, I, you're killing hey, me. What can I do here? What can you, I do? You, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so three whole days this goes on. Um, Aunt Petunia feeds Harry just to the cat flap, which is kind of weird because he can go out and use the bathroom. So it's not like he's completely locked in his room. He's allowed to go use the loo, but she decides to feed him through the cat flap. 
versus opening the door. And I think this is more of her embarrassment. Sure. This is her not wanting him to ask her more questions about how do you know about the Dementors? How do you know about Azkaban? Who do you speak to? Who is that howler yeah. from? So this is more her thinking, if I just shove this food I through here, I don't have here, to face it. Yeah. I don't have to deal and with it. And I think that kind of builds off the last chapter, Mary, where we talked about it, where she didn't want to look at the howler. And we asked the question, do you think that is as a result of her just be, not knowing what it is, being scared, or just kind of pushing it to the side where if I don't see it, it's not there. Mm -hmm. And if I don't acknowledge it, I don't have to bear the brunt of the responsibility for it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a fair argument, Mary, what you're making right now. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but you're right, though. When I when we first read this chapter, my uh, just recently, my first question was, Mary, he's locking him in the in his in his in his room. How does he go to the bathroom? What if he's got to go to the bathroom? Well, when he locks him, so when Vernon, Uncle Vernon, locks Harry up, of course, he's wearing his best suit, enormous smug look upon his face, uh, you know, because he's so excited that they're going out. And he tells Harry all these different things. You're not allowed to leave your bedroom. Okay. You're not allowed to touch the television, the stereo, or any of our possessions. Right. <laughs> you are not to steal food from the fridge. Okay. Which, mind you, why is it stealing food? This child lives with you. Why can't you just eat? Why is it considered stealing? Anyway. Okay. I'm going to lock your door. You do that. And uh, yeah, that's what happens. So I agree with you. At this point, he can't go to the bathroom. But that means that they've been there ever since. That someone has most likely, whether it's just Aunt Petunia while Uncle Vernon's away at, at work, uh, someone has been home this entire time to make sure that Harry wasn't up to mischief. Yes. And I love that the mischief to them is touching the TV, yeah. <laughs> eating, walking around. Like Harry just said, there were pretty much these soul-sucking creatures outside the house. Yeah. So you know he's not going to go, he's not going to throw a rager. Is this meant to be a comic, comical thing or is this meant to show you kind of how neurotic I think that this is to show Uncle Vernon's meanness. That yes, he's going to lock you in. You can't even use the bathroom. Yeah. You can't even get any extra food. Um, and of course, they head on out. And they were going to what they thought was like the best kept lawn Oh, competition. that was so great. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's one of the tells that I was going to try to get at, which is the characterization of Tonks, where there is some... Really cool characterization done here where she, where you have to, where you get the idea that she doesn't want to be recognized with her first name because she's embarrassed by it. She's, she says something about her mother where she's like, well, mm -hmm. you know, if your mother named you Nymphador or whatever it was, yeah. you know, you wouldn't want to go by your first name too. But then she also has this thing with the hair and the, and the changing and, you know, it takes a lot of practice. But more importantly, uh, this bit of humor here from yes. her where she makes this thing up. This is, great writing because it tells you instantly that she has a sense of humor that she is insecure about a about a few things that her temper rises pretty quickly and that she's a fun loving almost i don't want to say immature but very new to the whole process of being an aura yeah uh, i mean I she's relatively this. young and what's what's really cool is that she her dad is muggle-born. So I think that that's why she gets a little bit of insight as to like, oh, I know what I know what muggles like. They sure. like nice lawns. Yeah, especially someone. My dad, he used to do that like back and forth crisscross kind of thing, you know, with the <laughs> I've tried to do that. You do a terrible job. And at it's it. off. I cannot do it. I don't think you actually love our grass the way that 
particularly men online are shown to love their grass. No, I definitely do not. So don't worry, Blake. I think you have to have such a lush grass that it can truly show those lines. Our grass is yeah, patchy. It's, it's definitely It's patchy. mixed breeds. It is the... It is the uh, the mud blood of it's the mud blood of grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. True mud bloods. Yeah. Uh, but she's related to Sirius, which is really cool. Yes. Uh, Andromeda is Sirius's cousin, but she was kind of like taken off of the family tree because she went and married a muggle. So you do get this fun, you just get a lot of fun things with Tonks. So I agree with you. Get her her quirkiness, but also her brilliance. She is a young aura. I think she just recently graduated and was mm-hmm. allowed to become an aura. Um, but for her to have that insight of, I know how to get them. I know how to get sure. these muggles out of the house. Yep. And, and Give as them I was, an award. <laughs> as I was going to say, someone is, you know, as mundane and as basic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really. You're basic. Uh, as as the Dursleys, and especially with the way that they live in the, the suburbs, uh, and that that mundanity um, that they have, I, I think it's really funny. I, and I have this really heartwarming moment. And Mary, I want to know if you agree of the the Remus Lupin thing mm-hmm. and how he's introduced in this chapter because. This chapter is. Oh, we're leaving Tonks already. Well, no, you don't have to leave oh. Tonks. But I'm. I guess what I'm saying is like this. This is a very wham bam, thank you, ma'am chapter. Yes, it is. Uh, and it's just an introducing you to characters chapter. Yeah, a bunch of people that are just kind of irre- irrelevant. Uh, and like Deedless Diggle, he was the guy that actually greeted Harry when he first went into the. Well, I think that many of these people are very important. Well, who? Okay, so we get Elpheus Doge, well, who yeah. ends up being, he like went to school with Dumbledore, and he was a big deal there. Yeah, we get Tonks, and let's not forget, Tonks' cousin is Malfoy. How cool is that? Like, Draco Malfoy is Tonks' cousin because Tonks' mother- Oh, good point, yeah. Is yep. uh, sisters with Narcissa. So oh, just fun little just okay. fun little tidbits for you that I sure. love to kind of- Add to the um, the world that we get to know. No, about. but I'm saying like, like okay, yes, you have Tonks, you have Kingsley Shacklebolt, and you yes. have okay, great, all all. But then you have a bunch of log carriers too, where it was like some lady Hestia Jones. Yeah, sure. We have Remus Lupin, Mad Eye Mooney, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Tonks, and Emmeline Vance. Yeah, who it, died? Who gets like killed? Isn't that the next thing that we know about? Is when she's when she's killed? Yeah, she's a she's a log carrier. <sighs> And like Elpheus Doge, sure. Okay, log carrier. Deedless Diggle, log carrier. I mean, meaning that you don't really care about them and they don't play a big part. Yeah, they don't play the, a big yeah, role. Okay, so what I I'm understand. saying is they're like, the, you're, we're introduced to a bunch of people, but then, you know, some most of those, half of the people just are just, they're, again, they're log carriers. That, and that's fine. Or, you know, in, in Star Trek terms, they're red shirts. Like, whatever. This, they're just They're just people. They're jags. <laughs> well, we're gonna like raise a candle because Emmeline Vance is the one that is brutally murdered sure. by the Death Eaters. Sure, what else? Coming up, so, oh my god, you're just so rude, <laughs> so rude. You're a nobody. Okay, you're just. A I name. appreciate it's. Yeah, but she was a real person. <laughs> she was a real witch. 
She's a real person to me, at least. Okay, so we meet all these people, and Lupin, I know they were trying to get to Lupin. Yeah. Lupin is the one who is able to figure out if Harry is real or not, because, of course, Mad-Eye Moody, who right. we just knew as Foe Moody all last year. Right. It's interesting because Harry recognizes that voice. You know, he hears he hears a clamor. Yes. It's, it's not Santa Claus coming down the Definitely chimney. Definitely not Santa, Santa Claus. <laughs> or roast to such a clatter. <laughs> not Santa. <laughs> Instead, Matt, he recognizes Matt Eye's voice. Yeah. And he, you know, kind of stutters out like Professor Moody. <laughs> He's like, I don't know much about Professor. Never got round to much teaching, did I? <laughs> and then Harry comes down, not fully relaxing the grip on his one, because he also doesn't know who all these people are until he hears Lupin's voice. Right. It's all right, Harry. We've come to take you away. And Harry's heart leapt. He knew that voice, though he hadn't heard it for more than a year. Oh, and Lupin, of course, asks him, What's what form does your Patronus take so right. that that way he can solidify that it truly is Harry? Because, of course, people can do polyjuice potion people, right. as we just got to. But I feel like, see. though, Harry's Patronus would be kind of known by this point, wouldn't it? Yeah, one would think. Yeah. If you asked any of the kids at Hogwarts who got to see it and talked about it and stuff. But sure. I mean, I don't think it's like that super well known. Yeah. So in a pinch... I think Lupin coming up with that is fine. It's like, you know, it's like when, when you're doing your password security and it has a little meter, that's like the yellow yes. one, you know, where it's like, this could work, but mm, probably probably should keep going a little bit further. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the password security meter. Then we, of course, get the ongoing, like, he looks just like James, except he has Lily's eyes. And that, yeah. I think, is always a nice callback, particularly because those eyes do play such a major role going forward. Um, and then we get my, my favorite little butt joke. Don't put your wand there, boy, roared Moody. What if it ignited? Better wizards than you have lost buttocks, you know. Who do you know that's lost a buttock? The violet-haired <laughs> woman asked Matt, I interestingly. And, of course... When Tonks helps Harry pack his room, she asks him, do you have anything? You have both buttocks? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so just this cute little joke that she gets to get going on. And you think about this like older, grumbly, really um, well-weathered Mad-Eye Moody. Mm -hmm. He probably does know people who's lost a butt. I mean, he's lost a leg. He's lost an eye. He's got, he's got a whole thing going on. You know, so for him to say, watch out. Please don't do that. Let's have proper wand, you know, uh, oh, elementary wand safety. Nobody bothers about it anymore. Like, I love that. Yeah. Constant and, vigilance. And again, it it, it, it gives you this, it, it gives you this little inference into who Alistair Moody is, you know, without what he looks like, without his job that he does, without, you know, like these, like very specific things. Mm -hmm. It tells you about his character itself, himself or itself. I'm into it. I'm I'm totally in, and I, and I love the fact that Alistair actually even admits to himself where he admits to everybody. He's like, I didn't teach anybody. I don't even know you. Yeah. Like, who were you again? So awkward. It's and it's hard. It's hard because you, because even as a reader, I think we get that feeling like, oh, it's Alistair Moody. We know him. No, we don't. No, no. we don't. Not at all. It's really weird. And you know, and, and then the little things of even calling back to Goblet, where he's like, "Ah, oh, that Cretan or whatever he said was this thing's never worked right since that freaking guy wore it all last mm -hmm. year, and he's got to put water in it, and he wants three hundred and sixty degrees visibility, and like the whole really cool stuff that li little things that are just injected into the story here that you probably don't really get. It's sad because Remus Lupin obviously is looking 
uh, all for the worse right now. And, and has, we, I just said, Harry hasn't heard his voice in over a year. Mm-hmm. And when Umbridge got hired with the ministry, you know, and really got to have some more say, she got to put in so, um, she got to put into effect like more limitations for people who are werewolves. And obviously it had come out that Lupin was a werewolf. So mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to get work. So financially he's not, he's struggling. And also his lycanthropy, I think that's how you say it, but it's his basically dealing with being werewolf mm-hmm. is taking a massive toll on him as well. So it's just sad for me that he isn't cared for in a better way. And it makes me wonder, you know, the pains that he's been going through this past year. And I wonder, does he get to hang out at Grimwald Place with Sirius? You know, does he find some happiness there? Does he not take money from Sirius? I feel like Sirius would be like Harry Potter. Like, here, take my money. Go buy yourself yes. some new clothes. Yes. Um, but yet he's too humble to do that. So my heart just breaks for Lupin. I know. Or does he not care what he looks like? <sighs> Is it like what Luna says? I don't know. Some of that devil may care <laughs> kind of look. <laughs> you know, when Harry asks yeah, her about yeah. her, his nose. Um, you know, that's a great question, Mary. I think there's probably a little bit of resignation to it. You know, there's like, this is what I am. And I'm not going to try to pretend to be something else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, his robes are patched and shabbier than ever. Like, do, they, do they become ripped apart when he becomes a werewolf? Like, what happens? Oh, I would think Why so. Why is his clothes so messy? And, I, and like, there's also this thing, too, where, like, th- there was a moment where he tried to do what, you know, the, the societal norm would be, to have mm-hmm. a job. And, and he almost killed his, you know, Sirius Black. He almost killed the kids. Like, it, it was a whole thing. So, yeah. When all that happens, you, you probably go through a very serious, yeah, sad time. Uh, self-assessment, at least, <laughs> and say, okay, am I? Am what I doing? Like, a little break. Does that really make sense? Yeah, you know, is this serving me? <laughs> is this serving me? <laughs> Harry, of course, is chatting with everybody, and um, he brings up Voldemort's name. He doesn't even get to say it. And several of the witches and wizards made odd hissing sounds. Deedalus Diggle dropped his hat again and Moody growled, shut up. What? Said Harry. We're not discussing anything here. It's too risky. And I love this ongoing theme that people who are born, bred, raised in the witch and wizard, you know, community, mm-hmm. that saying Voldemort is like saying a a swear word is yeah. like saying a curse. And then of course it ends up being uh, like a trackable word. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I like that little theme. Ongoing. Well, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I read this, uh, you know, the second time through here, which is, are they referring to the trackable thing? But I, I don't think that it's trackable. I don't yet. think it's there yet. No. Um, and Mary, it, but it's clearly foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I think it's been foreshadowed this entire time, right? But it, it it's continuing down that path. Mm. Something else that's foreshadowed here too is when we are at the point of leaving and Moody does say, listen, if any one of us is killed, don't break oh, the ranks. Breaks my heart. The uh, next time he leaves for Privet Drive. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying the foreshadowing is already built in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes you wonder if, the author had this intent right from the beginning. Well, I mean, 
from the beginning of this book, right? Like, did she intend, did she know, this okay, Mo- yeah, gonna Moody go. is going to go oh, the way. So sad. I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. But no matter what, there's so many callbacks in this series that I feel like there's all these open plot points that if this is how we want it to be, then it can. Yeah. So I think that, that that door was definitely left open and um, ended up being closed. Oh. <laughs> Rot row. Um, they take Harry away on brooms. Yes. And this is interesting because, of course, they couldn't set up the port key situation mm-hmm. because they would have had to have clearance with that. They didn't want to do flu powder because that was being monitored. Yes. Yes. Now, the side-along apparition is something that they could have done with Harry, and people mm-hmm. talk about it, especially if someone's younger. Um, but they don't talk about that here, and it's not fully cleared up. Part of me just thinks that the author didn't really think that part through yet by this point in the book. Yeah. Because he's able to do it, obviously, with Dumbledore. In book six. In book six. Right. Um, so I know that that is an option. My other reasoning for it is that maybe you can have only a limit to sight along apparition people and that they would want many bodies around him to act as that would I, if if I had to make an argument, that would probably be it. Like how what's the limit of sight along apparition? And try to do the least amount of magic as possible. But then again he's on a flying broom. <laughs> so right, like, yeah. You know, it can only be so much. But is there is the flying broom traceable? Like that's the thing. Mm, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they they don't have him be in his invisibility cloak. They do a disillusionment charm. Yes. Which is really cool. I kind of wish that we could have seen that in the movie. Agreed. I think that would have been like seeing his body turn. Like, the, I love that description in that where, where it's human like. Human chameleon. Yeah, he's a human chameleon. And he sees like his skin was the color of the clouds beneath mm-hmm. him or something like that. I really liked that. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah, Mary, I think that would have been a cool effect for the film. Oh, it's Sturgis Podmore, who the next time we hear about him, he's dead. That's who. Another log carrier. Sure, whatever. Blake would like we Sure, log carrier. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sturgis you know, Podmore, sure. We were talking about how sometimes the author would put in things that we wonder, was this already going to be planned out? Is it already planned out that Mad-Eye Moody will be passing the next time he's leaving Privet Drive? And then there's other things that I find it interesting that we've never gone back to. I don't know of another metamorphagist metamorphagist sure i don't know of another person who can shape the way that they look and change their appearance in the series well if we're going to be using animagus it should be metamorphagus okay metamorph i mean i get that word wrong all the time anyway so (laughs) we all know what we're talking about okay uh yeah i don't know it's interesting that to our to our knowledge we don't know of another yeah i'm sure that there's another nerd somewhere that's like nope you know this person on page 32 like i'm sure that there's some nerd out there that does know that but at least the fact of the matter is it's not big enough for for at least for my wife who is the biggest potter dork i know to remember and if that's the case then yeah then that person's irrelevant even if they are Oh my gosh, Blake. Well, no, I'm, I'm meaning like no, but, the, yeah. the characters no, just, are relevant. It's just, it's interesting to me that the author would have had put that there without it coming back up is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that frequently there are these little things that do pop up here and there. Sure. Like the Animagus mm-hmm. then pops up for Rita Skeeter. So we do have that ongoing thing. So I just found it interesting that this didn't have another callback. Wait. And oh no, no. I was thinking so of, we got to know. I was thinking of Nagini, but that was a curse. 
Correct. That was a blood curse, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. that also was like an animal form. This right. seems to be just be whatever you she as, wants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as yeah. a human, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that that was interesting. Another interesting thing is why did it take so bloody long to get all these people to come and rescue him? If the Dementors came four days ago, did they just need to line up everybody else's schedules? I'm assuming that these were all the people who were on rounds to watch Harry when it wasn't Mundungus Fletcher. That There's obviously more people, this is but the these A-team. are the ones. Yes, this is the A-team. And then there's also people who are just pumped to see Harry. You like know? Oh, Diggle. this is what he looks like. Yeah, yeah, I'm just excited to see here and excited to... Of course, I'll go help him, but I just think it took a while. I think that you're right, Mary. There's probably, you know what it probably comes down to, which is where are we going to put the kid? Like, we need to figure out where we're putting him. Yeah, we need to have a sturdy plan. And as long as he stays in the house, he will be safe. So we just have to really make sure he stays put. Right. I mean, you're trusting a 15 year old who's really moody and was just, you know, I, you're, you're trusting that Harry's fear keeps him inside the house. Well, and, the fear of the I, dementors. And, and it worked. Yes. Right. It Ostensibly, it worked. He did stay in the house. Yes. And because he did get finally that information of just be like, don't leave. And he listened. And I, and I think Dumbledore would probably believe that. I think he would look at that and say, yeah, Harry won't go. Yeah. Because this world is just too important to mm-hmm. Harry. Like this is his, his this is his real home, and, and that's not something that we just made up. I mean, that's that happens. Yeah, it's it's said, right? So, I could buy that. Um, four days is a lot, but then again, you can't bring him to Hogwarts yet. Um, I mean, I I mean, I suppose you could, but. You know, you don't know who's there or, or, or what's going on. Like, does Dumbledore live on campus? Does he live at Hogwarts? Yeah. Where does he live? In Is his, he going to stay with Dumbledore? Dumbledore's got no. his own thing going on. And and by the way, from what we know now, Dumbledore's trying to limit contact with him, you know, for that. For I'm just shocked that the Weasleys wouldn't have said, please bring him here right away. But... Maybe their house isn't even as safe. Maybe because Grimald Place was so secretive and stuff that that's what they had to make sure that it was fully protected. That's why I'm I'm willing to buy the delay because it's like yeah. okay, where are we going to put this kid? And the, maybe the Weasleys are like, no, 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 we'll we'll take him to our house. And then everybody thought, yeah, no, we can't do that. And then they ended up coming up with the Grimald Place thing. That's probably, I, I mean, logically, mm-hmm. what what happened. Tonks likes that Harry's a little messy, and I like that too. <laughs> and it normalizes him. Yes. I just thought it was really cute because he was a little nervous about his appearance and his mess and everything. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is they don't mention the smell. You know that that room was probably smelly too. Oh, so smelly. Between like the owl droppings and just, you know, being a 15 year old boy stuck in there. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> the farts. Didn't change. All the farts. <laughs> So many fights. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Then they then they take off. And of course, a muggle is looking up. Why, once again, did you not all put the disillusionment charm on all of you? Good point. Weird. And they I, don't get in trouble for that. You know, this whole... Tra- oh, but they use the putter-outer. Yes, that and that we get the the, the knowledge that Dumbledore gave it to, mm-hmm. to Moody. The whole traveling bit feels a tad anticlimactic to me. And is that just to set up what happens later on? Or is it that because there is so much protection? You know, to me, it's just, yeah, it's, it's anticlimactic. Nobody's coming after them that they know of. 
but I thought it was more just the the banter between Tonks and Moody. You know, okay, let's go sure. through the clouds. No, we're gonna get wet. You know, I just I thought that that was more the purpose of it was getting to know their personalities a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I didn't need it to be scary. It was already scary getting away from the Dementors. Um, and then now we get to have a little bit of wee magic when we go to Grimwald Place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I suppose that there is a little bit of a feeling of tension here um, because you're hoping that they don't get. He does say, you know, we need to double back. We need to make sure we're not being followed. Moody is rocking his constant vigilance the entire time. Yes. But from what we as readers know, nobody's following them. But we don't know. It could just be because Moody had a really solid plan. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, anything else in this chapter that you want to talk about, my love? Uh, just that, of course, we get to uh, the park and Moody thrusts a piece of paper towards Harry and he says, read it quickly and memorize. And of course, it's Dumbledore's handwriting. They don't say it. It says the narrow handwriting was vaguely familiar. But yes. It says the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix may be found at number 12, Grimald Place, London. So I just think that, you know, of course, we end there. And as readers, we're just going quickly into the next next page, of course. But right. um, I'm excited. Right. I, it's as as we said earlier, this chapter didn't have a lot of meat. It was more just to getting meet the people William. and getting him out of Yeah, getting from drive. place to place. Like, mm-hmm. okay, let's just do the thing. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Yes. See you later. All right. Uh you ready for your different perspective? Yes. All right, here we go. Let's get it done. Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are Vernon Dursley, the newly appointed winner of the Best Suburban Lawn category. Oh, really? Uh, oh, Vernon. Let me, yes. Vernon, I, I actually I, I actually heard, by the way, that this was an entirely fake thing. No, it's actually an all-England best-kept suburban lawn competition. Wow. I got the official letter. You got the official letter? It's all-England. Not even just Not even like little wind neighborhood. Jing. No, no, no. no, no. no. It's all, all England. All England. Wow. It came on official letterhead. You, <laughs> you know it's real when it comes on official letterhead. Yes, there's no chance that somebody no could one, print that. No one. No, no. And I am so proud of this moment. Because <laughs> the amount of time that you've, I mean, you've you've gone into temperatures, when to lay the seed. I have been going out at 2 a.m. every single morning. Because remember, this is the hottest <laughs> summer on record. There uh-huh. has been a water ban. Ah, uh, yes. They somehow magically, dare I say, <laughs> think that I have been able to figure this out through a water ban. Ah, uh, yes. I, I, You're taking what's called the Sylvester Stallone route. Yes. <laughs> yes, Sylvester you're just, Stallone. You're just watering your plants regardless I, of a, of a I water I don't drought. care. I didn't even know this competition existed. And now I know that all of my scheming and planning uh-huh. and waking up at 2 a.m., yep. With Petunia being nervous, she was she was my lookout. She, she was, was over there looking. She was using that long neck of hers, <laughs> <laughs> making sure that Mister Tibbles wasn't going to say anything. You know, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and I'd be out there, and I got the quietest, the quietest faucet. Oh yeah, it was awesome. It was so awesome. I've even had Dudley go around. Uh huh. And make note and get people in trouble who had greener lawns than me. And I didn't even know that there was a competition. Right. You know what? It's but I just... had him because you know what? There's a couple of people down the road yeah. that they usually beat me. They usually beat me in just the, the lawn care sure. and the beautifulness yeah, of it. It's a little yes. bit thicker. But I would have Dudley on his little walks on his way to tea yeah. 
to tell me, oh, yes, you know, even he even told me his friend Piers, that his mom, the one that served him something for it, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. his mom's been watering, that she said something. I already told on them. She got banned last week. They turned her off. No wonder the tea was funny. Probably didn't have water. End <laughs> scene. Great job, Mary. Good job. You're always bringing, always bringing your you, A game. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've lost my uh, what's it called here? I, I apparently I don't have my my camera. That's okay. You were just so excited. I, I am. I, I'm very excited. Wait, you know what? We'll just finish it this way. We'll finish it this way. We'll just look at each other's cameras instead yeah. of at each other. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, we do have some emails. Are you ready Ooh, for those? I always am. Let's do it. Oh, miles ahead. All right. This first one comes from Tom. He says, this is Tom from West Michigan. I did not know that was a thing. West Michigan. I live in Western Rhode Island. No, you. I do. You live in the western part of our city. Yeah. You don't live in West Rhode Island. I mean, it depends where you draw the line. I I feel like some actually no. We are called the West Bay. We are Western Rhode Island. We're western side of the bay. What? Well, yeah, but we're not. Uh, whatevs. Whatevs. All right. So Tom from West Who's Michigan. Who's a fellow Westerner? Yeah. It's, <laughs> appar- west- apparently, West Michigan is a thing. So thank you. Do you, you Tom. sound like a cowboy? In the wild, wild west of Western Michigan. That is the question. Go. Uh, what? No, but he's from Michigan. He doesn't but sound like Western, a cowboy. Western Michigan. I mean, heck, we should, y'all should be listening to us from, because he's we're not from, from Alabama. I don't know. How do Western people? Anyway, continue, Blake. Michigan's more west than me. He's out west. Not too west, just Western Michigan. A- anything, still west, west. anything west of Pennsylvania is there be dragons out there. All right, let's go. What does Tom say? <laughs> out west. Tom in the West says, I want to confess that I've watched the Order of the Phoenix movie before I read the book. When I first read this book, I was very surprised at how loud the boom while operating makes. Uh, the movies don't deliver that sound as well as they could. Agreed. Mondungus apparating sounded like a car backfiring, and the whole neighborhood was looking out their windows. Later, when Fred and George are apparating around Sirius Black's house, the movie doesn't capture why Molly is so upset with the twins whipping their wands out for every little thing. Those booms must have been very disruptive and irritating. Agreed. Love those twins. Yeah, it's more of a, like a cracking noise in the film. Yeah. Um, I have a theory about Dumbledore's arrival at Harry's trial that would, I would like your opinion on. I suspect Dumbledore used a time turner. He appears in the same way that Hermione showed up to her classes right on time during her third year. Ooh. My theory, which is not supported in the book or in the movie, is this. Dumbledore arrived at the Ministry of Magic at the originally scheduled time, only to learn that the time and place had changed. So he used the time turner Hermione previously had used to go back and arrive in time to save Harry from expulsion. That would be very convenient, and I'd love it. Do you have any other ideas about how Dumbledore arrived on time, or is it possible that he honestly just arrived hours early by chance? And I agree that Richard Harris was better as Dumbledore than Michael Gambon. Jude Law also appropriately displays caring and wisdom as Dumbledore. Yet, I was very disappointed with the secrets of Dumbledore. Unfortunately, I didn't learn anything new about the characters or the Dumbledores, especially any secrets about Albus in particular. Agreed. So we learn Aberforth is Credence's father. Hashtag spoilers. Is that all? But this leads to one last lighthearted question for the day. 
Why did Jacob and Queenie get married in a bakery instead of a church? Surely there's not enough room in a bakery for many guests and have a wedding in a church was customary for 1920s America. Does something happen to a witch if she enters a church, such as losing your powers or perhaps melting away like the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wizard of Oz? Thank you for an excellent podcast. Tom from West Michigan. Wow. Hmm. That is some. Okay, so Dumbledore, how I think he knew, I just think because he has members of the Order of the Phoenix in the ministry that when changes were starting to yes. be made, because they had to assemble the whole wizarding mod. Yes. That's a lot of people. So at least one of those people had to say something to another person and they alerted. Yeah, Dumbledore. my sense is that he's got an inside man. But I love the idea of the time turner. And then why did they get married in a bakery? That will be my headcanon from now on, by the way, that he had a time turner. I love it. I love it. And I just, I don't know why they didn't get married in church, but to me... Um, I actually, here's what I think, because I think you get married in a church if you're Christian, and I don't know, that guy's last name sounded Jewish to me, right? Jacob, I don't remember. Wasn't it like Jacob Kowalski or something? Is it Kowalski? Um, so I, I mean, maybe. I'm just going to go with the sentimentality factor of it all. Maybe he was Polish. I'm Polish. He's, he sounds very Polish to me. But I just felt like a Jewish bakery. Like, where are we live in Rhode Island? The best bakeries are not Polish people. We make good guamkis and we make good pierogies. But I'm hmm. just saying. But not only did I just not think that they were like practicing Christians and that's why they weren't in a church, but also I just felt like the bakery had a lot of sentimental value to them and that they wanted to get married in a more intimate place. They didn't want to have to pay, you know, to rent a hall or do any of that kind of stuff. He was living on a, you know, just a few few dollars here or there. And so, heck, I already own a building or I'm at least renting a building. Sure. I don't need to rent anywhere else. I don't mm -hmm. need to rent a church, a dining hall. Maybe pinching pennies. Pinch That's pennies. what I'm saying. Like, when I watched it, I just thought it's because they were pinching pennies. So, uh, the Kowalski name meaning is actually, it is indeed Polish. Hey! And it derives from the with the name Kowal, uh, which is like an everyman kind of yeah. name. And uh, the it's established in uh, it's a it could be Polish Jewish uh, and oh my gosh look at me uh, so there's a whole it's like I'm Polish and I yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> so so that's that so and uh, not yeah. to say that Polish people can't be bakers yes there are great Polish bakers but I'm just saying yep that uh, that that was where I was going. I will say this the secrets of Dumbledore also extraordinary I want I really 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 wanted to like that film mm -hmm. I just I. Didn't. It's okay. It's just, oh my god. All right. Next one comes there. from Tammy. She says, "Hi, Tammy. Hi, Mary and Blake. As you start your review of the Order of the Phoenix, one of you mentioned that Dumbledore might be keeping Harry in the dock so that Voldemort can't find out what's going on in the Order. It occurred to me that while Harry can see what Voldy is doing or thinking about, like the prophecy in the Hall of Mysteries, does Voldemort see what Harry frets about over and over? Does he dream about Harry's obsessions? I wonder if Voldemort is intrigued by disdain mm. or disdainful of Harry's thoughts about Cho, for example. Also on the Peck Vowels podcast, Mary said that Mrs. Fig breaks Kniesel's, uh breeds Kniesel's. Could she have bred Crookshanks, perhaps? Inquiry minds want to... No. Oh, you know what? Let's just put that out there in our canon that she bred Crookshanks. Let's do it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it right now. I'm gonna ask the Google machine <laughs> I don't right know now. If the author has spent time, Mrs. Fig breed Crookshanks. Breed Crookshanks. <laughs> um, Here we go. We're gonna find. Who out. knows? Uh, there is no actual tangible evidence that uh, Crookshanks was bred. I feel by like Aravella if that Fig. was known, I would have known that. I feel like that would have. I feel Being like a cat would, person that would be a myself. Thing too. 
Um, do you think Voldemort knows about Harry's worries or his thoughts about Cho or any of that stuff? No. I think he taps into it, like flicking through the channel if he needs to. Or, you know, they're doing this all just out of precaution. We don't fully know how much Voldemort can do looking into Harry's mind. We know he's able to plant those dreams, but I don't think he would waste his time with Harry. I think he would, if he could look into it, he would see that Harry knows nothing anyway. So he'd say, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time here. Yeah, I'm not going to be like some 15-year-old kid watching the news every day. I'm not like a voyeur worrying about... i got bigger things to do. Sure, sure. I kind of agree with you, Mary. I think there's probably a a likelihood that Voldemort could do that, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also within his character. Again, again, talking about characterization, I think it's within his character to to dismiss that uh, because we constantly see him overlooking things that he deems unnecessary mm-hmm. or uh, not as valuable to his time as other more important things, right? So yeah, fair enough. I'm in, I'm in on that. All right, got anything else for this podcast, my love? That is it. Let's close this bad boy out, shall we? Yes. so incredibly much for tuning in to this whether through your ear pods or even watching it on video form Blake and I appreciate you and we are so excited to delve into the Order of the Phoenix some more with you while we've got your attention if you're able to if you're not driving if you could screenshot your phone and pop it in your stories or on social media and tag us at Mary and Blake Media to let other people who enjoy Harry Potter know about this podcast that would be greatly appreciated right Blake? Yes absolutely and of course go to maryandblake.com to check out all of the other podcasts that we have going on over there whether it is the last kingdom podcast which we just finally did our last episode of the last kingdom when we talked about the movie seven kings must die we also have outlander coming back so you can follow us there uh, for outlander cast maryandblake.com we got we got a whole bunch of other stuff happening too i am going to put a call out to those of you who have not yet written a review in apple podcast to head on over and write one because we have a not so nice one <laughs> at the top right now the most recent one really the one that told us our east coast bubble oh. was showing a bit <laughs> we still got we still got a good rating yeah still yeah still says love you guys but i just don't like that one showing up on top sure. so you know thank you so much for those of you who have written and those of you who will my name's mary my name is blake mischief managed Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.